Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time, a Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Subscribe, like, rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what the hell is that? What? What you, what you got on? Oh, it's a hoodie from Barbie. I am Knuff. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You never saw Got it? Got you. Well, saw the movie? Yeah. Nah, I'm not. I'm single, Dominique. Like that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's less about being married or single as much as it's about being a father. Of, yeah, I'm saying, there we go. Uh, don't have those, yeah. don't don't have kids either. Yeah, I mean it's a good movie though. Like I, I mean, even I probably wouldn't have seen it if it weren't for uh, my marital and parental situation. But I liked it. My daughter ordered me a hoodie, and it's comfy. And I do. I mean, everybody needs to be reminded that they are enough every now and then. So I wear this shirt for y'all. I know. It, you it's all enough. good. But you can also understand how it is that I didn't know what the hell was going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, to be fair, it wasn't really in the camera. It's a lot of tie-dye. I feel like this is something that a lot of people can relate to. Just the general idea of a comfy tie-dye hoodie. I think it speaks to things that Bomani Jones appreciates. But it was also lint. It's also a little lint trappy. All things that I could rock right. with, but then it looked like there was some kind of slogan to it, and I didn't quite understand that. And I will admit, and this is tough for me, because I recognize that my constitution is a little different than a lot of people's constitution but i don't really be having a whole lot of times where i'll be questioning whether or not i'm enough because at the end it don't really matter if i'm enough now do it nope i'm here <laughs> like like that that's the shirt that's the slogan i want everybody to get with well i'm here now i think so i mean when you're wearing a shirt it's for other people to see like i i, I don't have too many times wondering if i am enough or not but i would like other people to be reminded Sometimes you need to be reminded you are enough. Well, hold on, hold on, enough. hold on. You want other people to be reminded that they are enough, or you want other people to be reminded that you are enough? Oh, they don't. I don't care what they think about me. Well, I, I can't say I completely don't care, but no, it's for them. They read it to themselves. It's not saying when you read it to yourself, you're like, I am enough. Unless you are the San Francisco 49ers, in which case you were not enough. But everybody else, you are enough. But I want to make this point because I have noticed this in my travels. It's a difficult thing. Not really a difficult thing necessarily. Uh, but it's a thing, right? Um, and it's that me being enough is not necessarily reassuring to the thems. <laughs> it does not provide the comfort that I would like to think that it provided, right? Like, and I feel like people like me and you telling them people or making them telling them that they are enough, they don't believe it when we say it, man. <laughs> I they think don't so much buy in. there's a bunch of different, I mean, everything has its pros and cons, but the I am enough thing is generally a good uh, thing to tell people to like assuage whatever insecurities they have. But sometimes what coincides with I am enough is complacency. And I, while I have adjusted to the times and I like to remind people that they are enough, if that's the uplifting that they need, I also was raised and deep down underneath this sweatshirt is somebody who believes you ain't enough. Do more, like work harder. Like I didn't, I didn't get it. I, I consider myself a pretty successful human being. I did not get there by being like, ah, that's good. They're going to get me. 
I'm enough. Nah, <laughs> I'm about to work on me and they're going to get a better version of me. So you are enough, but you also not enough sometimes. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't have the confidence to be out here telling these people they enough. I don't know them. And I know for a fact that a lot of them are not. I know for a fact that a lot of you, a lot of us coming up short, right? Like when I played basketball, I couldn't be out here wearing no I'm enough shirt about myself because <laughs> I wasn't. I was not. I was I was lacking in, yeah. in some very important and significant ways out here, right? Like mm-hmm. you are enough where your mama should love you. Your yeah. daddy, perhaps touch and go. <laughs> But your mom, if nothing else, should love you. You should be enough for your mama to love. I 100% agree upon that. We have to stop extending that premise out to everything else. I I'm feel saying. like the shirt, is that a period at the end? It might need two yes. more periods. Like there should be an ellipsis. <laughs> because it's not just, this isn't the end of the statement or maybe a comma. I'm enough to require respect and dignity. Yeah. Are you enough to get the job done? I don't know. It's a whole different question. Maybe you're not enough. Nah. Some people come out there and they be like, I am enough. And I'd be like, what's enough? <laughs> you are enough. What is enough? I need to know a little bit more about what enough is so that I can understand your sentence. Because I know damn well that you ain't enough in this thing that we doing over here. Not you. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, Wow. Gosh, I am not great for the self-esteem of a lot of people I'm recognizing this. I think that's the ultimate moral of the story that I'm reaching is maybe I'm not the best for everybody's self-esteem. I had to give this some thought over the last week. I think there are a lot of people need a lot of different influences, whether it's two parents or it's television, it's their teachers. You need a lot of different influences to get you to the right place. Sometimes you need somebody to tell you, don't worry that you came up short, you are enough. And sometimes you need somebody to tell you, do worry that you came up short. You need to get in the lab. <laughs> Having those people <laughs> in your life uh, is important. We need to come up with an acronym for NUFF, right? So we can say that you are yeah. enough. We need we need to come up with 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 the length of NAFF, <laughs> right? Like I am a naysayer <laughs> under um something, right? Like that's 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 we need to come up with something that enough can mean so that when people say I am enough, I am not inclined to be like, maybe you are, maybe you're not. Like I was talking to somebody the other day. It was about some, it was like some career advice stuff. And I think I was ultimately being helpful. You can let me know if I was not. But um, the person was explaining to me about wanting to, like needing to prove to themselves that they could do something, right? And I was like, well, why do you need to prove this to yourself? And they gave the story and I got to the end of it. And I had to be like, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, you've ascended to some pretty great heights in this game. And you might not be able to do this. (laughs) And that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. like I am out of the, I got to make you think you can do anything like line of motivation. Cause Hey, Maybe you can't. The issue is that it's not that big a deal if you can't, right? right. You really only got to be able to get out here and do one thing, man. Like, I ain't never seen Kyle Corbett dribble between his legs one time. It don't <laughs> matter. He over there in the quarter making the magic happen. That's a that's a, a maturity that I think uh, comes with experience. I think when people ask me for advice or when I ask other people for advice, and it's inevitable that it's going to be tinged with their own experience. And tinge feels like it has a negative connotation, but it's going to be influenced with their own experience. 
It's like, I'm going to give you the advice that if I was in that situation, I wish somebody would have gave me, which is not always the best advice. So when people ask me for advice, I try to always remind them like, hey, this may not be for you. However, this is the way that I see things. And sometimes I like to go take on challenges just because I like a good challenge. And I think I have to understand that this may not lead to something else. It's just going to feed me and whatever I need for this next period. And that's that's fine, too. I don't know who you were talking about or what they were asking for advice with. But, yeah, normally being a specialist is really a, a smart way to go. Nobody can do this shit better than me. I have an advice story that doesn't really tie to all of this. And we'll get to talking about actual sports in a second. It's an advice story. It doesn't tie to all these things that we talk about, but it is an example of like how you got to be like the advice that people give is colored by the experience and everything else and da, da, da. And so this is, I guess now about 11 years ago, I had just moved to Miami for the, uh, to do highly questionable. So like, I don't came up. Well, what? Right. Like I am, I am finally at this place. And, you know, it's first time I got a little money in my pocket trying to figure out what to do with it and all this. And I had a person explain to me that he had received some advice um, when he bought a house. And the advice was not to buy, it was to don't buy the house that you can afford. Buy the house that you want because you're going to be able to ultimately afford it. And it's not going to shock you. But the advice giver was a white person, right? The advice receiver was a black person. And he told me that he shook off that advice and that he got the house that he could afford. And then every day that he looked back and regretted the fact that he did not get the house that he wanted. And so the advice to me was not to get the house that you can afford, but to get the house that you want. And I got to tell you, it's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my yes. life. Like yes. just, just without question. Off the charts, the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. Do you realize what I would be doing out here to prostitute myself <laughs> if I had messed around and taken like that advice? Because, hey, it's been some ups. It's been some downs in my career at various points. Right. But at every turn in that, man, I've been able to do what I want. And I ain't had to go out here and do our version of no Sharknado. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I ain't right. had to go out here and just be like, well, you watch it and you look at it and you like, man, they just in it for the bread. I ain't have to do that. It's not the way that I had to live. Man, if I had messed around and done what they was talking about right there, boy, woo-wee. Yeah, you'd be under a lot of pressure. That's the thing that I think about often with, like, decisions we make financially is I've been fortunate enough to get to a place where I can I can uh, make decisions that I want to make. I don't have to make too many pressure decisions. Uh, these kids, man, and, and, be, and trying to provide everything for everybody uh, – a few bad decisions away from being back in a situation where I got to go big. Like, hold on. Hey, hey, what's this contract situation look like? Like we, we can't go there. So I, I ain't going to let that happen. The, the story that I have is similar to that is my first, um, I got my first scholarship offer from Duke and my social studies teacher. I think she was the women's basketball coach or the girls basketball coach in my high school. Also, she, uh, made me wait for after class. And like, it was big news. My school was small. We didn't have no, I think I was the first division one scholarship athlete out of the school. So she came over to me and was like, you better accept that scholarship immediately before they change their mind. And it was kind of condescending because her point is like, you're, you would never get into Duke. And yeah, my grades were not such that I would get into Duke. And it was like, you better hurry up and take it before they change their mind. Cause ain't nothing better coming at the time. Duke was awful at football. But 
I got what she was doing. But I think it was a lot based on her experience because I was thinking, Duke, this shit just starting, baby. Like, this, <laughs> like Duke, you better chill out. You better hold your horses, ma'am. You don't know what you're dealing with. And then maybe this is your advice. Maybe you never got into anywhere and you had no chances. Whatever. I mean, the fact of the matter is I couldn't accept the scholarship because we weren't at um, – signing day and if duke was the only one on the table i would have taken it but no 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 you have no under what you coach girls basketball you ain't been to none of these games huh <laughs> you, ain't, you ain't been to none of these for you ain't come to homecoming because i ain't trying to go to duke but dog and i guarantee you not one person got a duke offer it was like i accept on the spot they are very <laughs> accustomed to you being like oh word, that's what's up hey um i'm gonna think about it just, definitely, just, just I mean, you know. basketball is a different story. Yeah, basketball, somebody jumping on there right now. If football offer you a scholarship to go to Duke and you say yes on the spot, football need to go back and ask ourselves. So what's wrong with this boy? <laughs> yeah, Ain't I a single motherfucker. At, at, at that point in time, not now one motherfucker at Duke said yes on, immediately upon being offered anything to do with that football program. No, nah, everybody had to run about somebody. I almost said no when we had to go down there and play an away game. It was awful. They got a little outhouse that's a quarter mile from the stadium for the away team locker room, a track around the field, and cheerleaders that aren't allowed to do stunts because they had that. somebody don't hurt do doing that. that. Like, do it, that. it is not a oh, whoa, 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 football oh, oh, environment. Oh, okay. Thought it was going in a different direction. No, 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 no. Yeah. I just remember, thought like, you, thought, it just... Thought, thought you were getting into a Matt Doherty place. Oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't going there. It just, I remember standing out that there were very few people in the crowd. And the, I remember thinking, because someone brought it up, that these cheerleaders ain't really into this game. They ain't doing nothing. They just like one, two, three. And then someone mentioned that they had someone seriously injured out there at one point. So they are prohibited from doing cool cheerleader flips. I mean, the other question of it is like, how are you supposed to get into the spirit of it if you be watching do football all the time? You underdig? Yeah, I get them. That's it. It's not. It's not their fault. Duke football. It's the. I guess there are probably plenty of other schools like this that basketball team is much bigger than a football team, but it just don't. It feels based on the media that I've been raised on. You need a football team. They don't got to be great, but you need the football team to be king shit at yeah. your school. You need something. That's that's what right. it's, if 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 you're going to have a football team. Yeah. The football team has to provide something. You could be like a Villanova or something like that, yeah, right? I mean, Where Maryland. Like, I went to Maryland. The basketball team was much more important than us, but we were still the football team, damn it. And that means something. Yes. Homecoming I mean, y'all won a, yeah. I mean, y'all won a conference championship. Like, like at least, you know, y'all y'all did that. Y'all are just a perennial underachiever paying the price for all the racism of the past. And you just can't bring it just can't just just can't bring it back around. Like, you know how bad it's got to be for all the brothers in your state to be like, nope, Penn State for us. That's that's where we'd like to go. It's not even just the state, though, because like D.C. is like Maryland is closer to D.C. than it is to Baltimore. So like we got all uh, the northern Virginia. Like there's a lot of really talented football and basketball is where it's really embarrassing. Because, like, we could put together all-star teams on top of all-star teams, and none of them come to Maryland. None of yeah. them. Yeah. Well, basketball was a slightly different story. Gary Williams and these morals and principles yeah, get out really, of really, that. really getting in the way of doing business. It's not morals and principles. It's wanting to follow the rules. Because the, the rules were amoral, 
or immoral. Fair. And, and so, like, it would I would have believed that he had principles if he was dropping off bags. Well, I agree with you, but on the other side, there is a leverage play that winds up, and now you out here working for somebody who goes by a name that is not on his driver's license, and this person is the one that's got control over you. Because I agree with you. I think the rules are immoral, but Gary believed that they did stand for something, and he did yeah. stand by them, at which point I do have to say that it is a matter of principle. Yeah, I'm I'm talking shit, but we had this conversation before is I got one cash envelope when I was at Maryland and I gave that shit to compliance. It wasn't a, it <laughs> was not enough smart. money. I'm like, I ain't playing with this shit. I don't know what this is. I ain't know if it was a sting operation or what, but it was not enough green in there for me to be like, all right, well, fuck it. Guess we gonna take this and jeopardize uh my everything else in my life. No thanks. <laughs> we uh we coming off the Super Bowl. I feel like we've all probably like beaten that topic into the ground. But uh, 49ers fire Steve Wilkes after one season as the defensive coordinator. And I know they had some ups and downs with that defense. Don't get me wrong, but I did not feel like he was at a we got to fire Steve Wilkes portion of the program. Yeah, it didn't feel like that. There might be. I feel like most of their other coordinators were like homegrown, right? Like they didn't bring somebody in. It's the first time they brought somebody in. And my guess is that after reading that athletic article about how before the Super Bowl, it's funny. It was about how Kyle Shanahan is like in control of everything. And the article like paints it as a positive, uh, mostly acknowledge that the players are comfortable with it. Everybody's comfortable with it. My guess is that it was probably just a, a, mismatch is Steve Wilkes has done enough in his career that he has ways that he likes to do things and ways that he likes to operate. And Kyle has a different idea of how things work. So it was a mismatch because what happened this year with them, you could argue because this defense was worse than previous defenses and Steve Wilkes and that defense like modify, they were doing different things than they had done in the past uh, in order to address the shortcomings that they had at the time. And so, like, I argue that Steve Wilkes did a pretty good job coaching. Uh, the way that they got shellacked in these playoff games, though, I think probably has something to do with them wanting to make a change. Yeah, like, I feel like with Kyle, he's going to need to have a young coordinator. And he's going to need to have a young one because you telling these old heads you're going to run my defense. And you're not even the defensive man. I don't know, right? Like, how long can you keep how long can you keep doing that and attract good guys? Because I do think a thing that's going to happen with him, and it happens with all the guys like him. Basically, Kyle's been on the vanguard of a lot of things, and right. thereby people hire a lot of his people to implement a lot of his practices. But what you end up with is something called a brain drain, right? You're not necessarily just going to be able to keep bringing up those top offense, those top assistant guys under you. This happened to Nick Saban in part in Alabama. Like after a while, you can't, you just don't have another set of guys popping up that you can turn into the next thing, right? So, what happens when that happens for somebody like Shanahan, where to get a guy that's up to the level that you talk about, you either have to somehow still keep your finger on the pulse of every young guy that comes up, or you're gonna have to give up some of that control. Yeah. I think this is interesting because he's had a staff that's been perennially like attractive to everyone else in the league without getting the big one like that. <laughs> you have to pay the price of winning championships without actually winning a championship. And that brain drain normally comes like that's a credit to their consistency. But I think to your point, yeah, like staying connected to who are the young talented guys. And it's not even that it's like, sports gives us a, a good way to talk about a lot of things. And I think talking about systems on the field, you want players that fit 
in your system or you need to be able to adapt your system around the players. I think the same thing is true for coaches. Not every team is run the same. I think um, John Harbaugh is probably the coach that I like paid attention to his coaching style more than anyone. It was him and Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan was a lot like um, Kyle is and that he controlled everything. John was different and that he kind of oversaw things, but he wasn't making um, I'm sure he's making game plan decisions, but as you see, he's been through a bunch of different coordinators, a bunch of different styles of play. He doesn't have something that he's like, but this is my core principle. This is what we're all going to do. He's adaptive and there are pros and cons to both sides, but Kyle certainly seems like he's going to have to figure out how to adapt or just keep hitting on these young coaches. Cause I mean, he was right about D'Amico and maybe uh, Sala too. But I mean, Wilkes is the first time he's had to go the retread route, right. which raises its own questions, right? Like they knew they was going to have to get somebody to replace D'Amico probably halfway through last year. You knew yeah. that that was, that D'Amico wasn't going to be there. That was going to be a thing. Clarence Williams the fourth was the guy that they came back with. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, also, DEI Kyle seems to, like, he, he has people of color in these positions. And they, I think it was the ESPN story where they talked about how it seems that the league just ain't yeah. skosh resentful of these picks that the 49ers is bringing back. It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, they've set it up this way. So, like, we all play by the same. It's funny that um, when people adapt before someone else adapts, somehow the people who weren't paying attention get mad. Like, I feel like that a lot when I think about things like this and I think back to, like, the three-pointer in basketball. Like, eventually people figured out, hey, this is more efficient way to play with more three-pointers. And then everybody else in the league get mad. Like, you can do it, too. It's not like you get extra points if you shoot a three-pointer in specific jerseys. Like, it's a, it's something that's there. Why not? And it wasn't even, like, a tricky one. Like, they made the rule public. <laughs> this is what we're going to – this is how we're going to change things. And because you didn't adapt to it, that's fine. You can, you can believe that whatever technique that you have for hiring is so um, effective – that you can't take advantage of free money, that's fine. But you made that choice. Don't be mad at someone else who believes that all men are created equal. <laughs> <laughs> and if I could get an extra couple compensation bucks for this one, then all right. Now, I have a question for you. Christian McCaffrey, who I did not realize ran for 5.4 yards per carry this year. That's pretty impressive, guys. Um, he turns 28 uh, in June. 28 is kind of the inflection point on the running back game. Let's say Christian McCaffrey falls off a little, right? Like, we're not even talking about, like, the you just turned 30 fell off, right? Let's say he falls off a little. How much does a little fall off for him affect that whole offense? Because I was shocked when they made the trade to get him just because the Shanahans are the ones that taught us that running backs didn't matter. And then he was like, oh, no, 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 no. But watch watch what I do with this one, right? And then he got this one, and we saw what there was to see. But it is unrealistic to expect him to continue to be this good for, honestly, much longer than one season at the most. Yeah, I think we're probably going to get into this some on my podcast because I think it's interesting because I always thought that having a number one receiver was something you had to have. And I think Christian McCaffrey is an example of, no, what I actually mean when I say that is I need somebody that dictates to the opponent, somebody that they wake up in the morning and are scared of. And like a lot of good players don't scare you because they're going to get five to eight, 10 yards. Like I want somebody that I know 
damn, if he move out here for Christian, it's like if I, if they put him in the slot, I don't feel comfortable with any of my linebackers or any of my safeties. If they hand him the ball, he might go to the crib. He's going to guarantee to get you three, four, five yards. Like that's, I think that's how import, important he is. And that's like to the idea that running backs don't matter. Football is not completely positionless, but what I think the way to talk about it is guys who matter, matter. <laughs> guys who require the offensive or the defensive coordinator to spend time thinking about how to address them and to also, it takes complete portions of the playbook away. It's like, I know what y'all ain't going to do. On first down, y'all not going to have two safeties deep. Never. Not against the 49ers if Christian McCaffrey's in the backfield. So, like, that makes easy, life easier for me as an offensive coordinator. So, to your original question about um, Christian McCaffrey and his age, yeah. A little bit of deterioration means a lot. Also, because their offensive line isn't that good. Like, they got Trent Green. Or Trent Green. They got Trent. What's his name? Trent. Somebody. There you go, Trent Williams, big Trent Williams. And then the rest of the guys, Feliciano's pretty good, but it's not a great offensive line. If you watch a lot of the plays that Christian, running plays that don't like, not big plays, but like five, six, seven, eight yards, it's like him moving, setting things up. Like that's a value that you're not going to notice because you'll notice if the big plays disappear. And those won't disappear. It might be fewer, but where the slight deterioration will affect the offense is, on first down, if they hand it to Christian, are they going to get six or are they going to get three? Life's, it doesn't seem like a big difference, but especially in a Shanahan offense, life is so much different if you got four yards to go or if you got six yards to go or seven. And then that affects the way that our man Brock plays because it's interesting. We got through the entire postseason of Brock Purdy, who, by the way, came up big in two playoff games, but I feel like we've come out of the postseason and just about however you felt about him going in is probably the same as you felt about him coming out. The only way to feel better about Brock Purdy, and this is what I've been doing, is projecting. And I've said this to you a bunch of times, how I think that the best quarterbacks in football come into good situations and they're able to learn and develop while under very little pressure because they have help of people lifting up. Brock Purdy's had an impressive start to his career. But we saw this with Russell Wilson. At some point, we're going to have to shift some more of this responsibility onto you. Can, you. can you handle it? Will you be ready for it? We saw it with Dak Prescott. It was the same thing where it was like, all right, early in the career, he was handling it to Zeke and not making mistakes was essentially what he was doing. And then he flipped the switch and was like, all right, he was able to develop into a, a player that could take a lot more responsibility. For this Purdy thing to work out, Purdy's going to have to do the same thing. And the tough thing is he is who he is and that guy takes risks. And so we'll see how it works out for them because they're not going to be able to survive uh, with him being uh, a risk. I mean, he's been efficient, but a risk taking quarterback at the wrong time. And that's something like he's young. Patrick was that guy too. Eventually he learned when to turn up the risk profile and when to turn it down. So we'll see if, Purdy can do the same. Yeah, you're right. He's gonna, he's gonna learn. This is this is what we're gonna see. He just he looked like a seventh round pick in that Super Bowl. And I don't mean that to say he played poorly because he did not, but physically he looked like a seventh round pick. Like he just did he he you understood why that man was taken late in the draft. Like this is a point that I made about Tony, uh about Tom Brady, even about Tony Romo that was interesting, is that 
you never looked at it. It never made sense that Tony Romo was an undrafted free agent just from watching him. Even with Tom Brady, when you watched him, just looked at him physically, he did not look like a six-round pick. Brock Purdy looked exactly like a seventh-round pick. That's why people are like, oh, he just can't shake it. That's why he can't shake it, because it always be right there in front of you. He had um, a couple throws in the game that were impressive from the the execution, but nothing about the throw itself was impressive. So, like, guys in his face hitting Ayuk on that corner route, I think, was one that was really impressive. There was a couple others that I like, but to your point, there's nothing out there that's like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, damn. Like, uh, I think he had one little scramble thing where he threw it across that didn't even count. I think maybe his best play of the game, he, like, scrambled to the left and threw it back across his right. It wasn't a bullet. He didn't rip it back over there, but it just was like – yeah, I guess that still falls in a category that it, it feels it feels much more crafty than it feels elite, which is yeah, that's why you fall to the end of the draft. Bingo. Uh coming up next, I got a very simple question. Who called the police? Prize picks is the most fun you can have by winning up to 25 times your money. And with football season over, you can still win money with basketball and hockey. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. You can pick combo projections across multiple sports from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. And if you stick around for the end of the show, you'll get to hear some picks from our producer, Sean, that can either help you win or make you fail miserably. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash Bomani and use code Bomani for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Bomani. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. I recently went to Toronto to experience the city, eat good food, check out Niagara Falls. Now, as somebody who loves to travel and explore new places, Viator has been the perfect app for me. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like museum tours or restaurant experiences. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience at Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. When you're a sports fan, weekends can be a lot of fun. Spending time watching sports with your friends. Whether you're celebrating the success of your team or yelling at the refs for a missed call, it can be an exhausting experience. So when it's time to start another big week, celebrate Hydration Monday with Liquid IV. Liquid IV can help you feel revived and ready to take on the new week. Liquid IV is super easy to use. Just take a pre-measured packet and pour it into a glass of water, mix it up, and enjoy. You can take it at home before you start your day or take it with you to work or the gym. Plus, with their roster of flavors, you can easily find the right flavor for you and your taste buds. Weekends are for going wild. 
Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code BOMANI at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today. Use a promo code BOMANI at liquidiv.com. All right, it's Dominique. Before we got on here, uh, saw this story about uh, Drew Eubanks yeah. plays for the Phoenix Suns. And apparently he got into some kind of encounter with Isaiah Stewart, who is currently at the top of everybody's NBA want to fight power rankings. Like he's the guy that always want to fight. And we know this because this dude tried to run through like five people to try to fight of all people, LeBron James. Hmm. He did that one time. Yeah. You remember that? Like, like he's the equivalent of what's my man's name? Amir. Is it Amir Garrett? My man that plays for the Cleveland, uh, for the Cincinnati yeah. Reds. The big lanky uh-huh. dude who tried to run through everybody to fight that one time. <laughs> like Isaiah Stewart is that guy. So apparently he had some sort of tussle um, in the tunnel with Drew Eubanks. And I don't know if tussle is the right way to put it. I don't know exactly what happened. All I know is the Phoenix Suns put out a statement about how uncalled for it was that this took place which seemed to be a bit unnecessary, right? Nobody needs to know about this. Y'all could have handled this on your own. And then they arrested Isaiah Stewart for assault. And I'm not in a position to definitively answer the question of who called the police. But I do know that if the police come to Drew Eubanks and say, would you like us to press charges? And he says, nah, it's cool. Then they're not going to press no charges. Somewhere along the way, I feel like it's safe to assume that this man said it was okay to press them charges. And I'm just saying, I don't, I'm not one to tell the fans what they're supposed to do. I'm not one to tell the fans how to behave. But I don't know necessarily the next time that uh, the Phoenix Suns will play a game after the people hear what I'm saying right now. Let me try to, uh, let me see if I can get a look. They got a game on February the 22nd. Oh, yeah, because we're coming up on the All-Star break, all right? They got a game on February the 22nd. And so the good folks in Dallas, it's a nice road game. I don't know if y'all got the right spirit for it, but you're going to start practicing right now. Karen. <laughs> Karen. Did my, man, did my man do the Karen? And I try to be careful about saying things with Karen because like Karen has kind of turned into a slur. Yeah. So maybe don't use Karen because I need some explanation. And if you don't think Karen turned into a slur, ask yourself how you felt when you saw them people in Iowa with them. Don't be a Cheryl shirts. It hit funny, didn't it? It didn't feel good to you, did it? It's all of a sudden it felt like a slur. So what 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 can we call people who call the police for no goddamn reason? I mean, I, I think Karen is the best thing for right now. I, I guess it is. It's... But he, he doesn't fit the characteristics, so I think it might be okay. I'm not sure with the perfect word to chant that gets better than that to get your point across. I just, while you were, like, uh, recapping what happened, I was just thinking to myself, what would have to happen for me to answer yes to, to that question, do you want to press charges? <laughs> I was thinking that, Because, like, too. there is a line. There is a line that I, I, and I don't know exactly all the things that happened here. It don't seem like that line was crossed, but I tend to not want to 
get involved in all that, but there is something that somebody could do that I'd be like, all right, man, like this is somebody got to pay. Yo, if and if it's that bad, quite honestly, somebody would have to answer that for me because I would not be able to speak. Like I would have to be rendered like incapable of talking. I, you know, here's who I want to hear from on this matter. I want to know what Grayson Allen thinks. Grayson Allen plays for the Suns. I would have definitely had him at the top of the list of this. But to be honest, I mean, I'm just guessing here. But I feel like Grayson Allen, he'd have had to have his ass whooped like before, like. Like, he has turned out his opportunity to call the cops. Somewhere along the way, he realized that this was probably not the way to go about this. But this Eubanks dude, hold on. And he couldn't have got his ass whooped that bad. He played 18 minutes. I mean, yeah, I, I'm so it's in, in his defense. Maybe this was more about other people like we can't have this type of thing taking place. So I'm going to need you to go ahead and say yes to the authorities about this. I don't know. There's no defense for this, man. I, I I feel like the next time this Pistons and the Suns play, uh, Isaiah Stewart, you, I mean, who, by the way, couldn't play because he got a sprained ankle. I would just like to throw this out there. He's, he, he, he's, he's joined the list with Greg Anthony of people who have been in fights in Phoenix for games they could not play in because they were injured. If you don't know what I'm talking about, one time, Kevin Johnson, who, uh, whoo, that dude's wiki page is a doozy. Anyway, he uh, caught Doc Rivers with a sucker elbow one time, and Doc went to go fight him, and it turned into a giant brouhaha that included Greg Anthony on the sidelines in a party shirt out there thugging like only a young Republican can. <laughs> Swag it. Swag it. Swag it. But anyway, I feel like Grayson Allen got to feel a little bit of shame by what took place. Isaiah Stewart, he got to be allowed to hit him with a hard that, foul. That, I assume, like it was in the parking tunnel, right? I mean, I just assume there are cameras everywhere. When stuff like this happens, I guess I put myself in everybody's shoes and... It's hard to imagine, like, I, I'm not as aggressive as I, Isaiah Stewart, so imagining what would have to happen for me to fight in that situation or for me to have to go take it to somebody, it had to be something that really warranted it. But then, putting myself on the other side, what would have, it had to be real egregious. Like, you had to sneak up behind me with a weapon or something, had to <laughs> impair my ability, and he played, impair my ability to make a living. Like, that. I don't know, it's going to be really hard because of the shame. The shame. Like you can call the cops. Everybody knows you called the cops. Everybody. Oh, I bet you I know who ain't got no respect for that behavior. Oh yeah. yeah, Nurkic. Nurkin got no respect for that. Nurkic. Nurkic's like, I mean, in this country you have (laughs) 911. You know, where I'm from, brothers don't call 911. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't even count it. We can't count 911. Didn't Nurk get attacked by uh Draymond earlier this season? (laughs) He did. And he just he, he just did. fell out. He did. He uh-uh. did. He ain't called the cops. He ain't called the cops. He wasn't about that. No, nah, Nurkish. Nurkish looking at him like, brother, they never <laughs> look at you the same. I thought you, I thought you were, I thought That's you were. The thing one. is like getting your ass beat is embarrassing. But you can come back from that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's real hard <laughs> to be like, I got my ass beat, and you know how I responded? <sighs> yeah, I responded. By calling them people. Yo, well, here's the thing. If you got your ass kicked and you didn't deserve it, but you took it, cancel yeah. have your back and have some measure of respect for you. Is when you go and call the law, 
is just like it's amazing how somebody can be in the right in a situation and then they make a call and now I'm completely against them. For example, there's this one time in the early days of Twitter that Charlie Villanueva said that Kevin Garnett called him a cancer patient because Charlie Villanueva has difficulty growing hair, right? Now, all of us would acknowledge, not cool. Not cool, right? Shouldn't have done that. It's not an appropriate thing to say. Okay. Charlie Villanueva came out and he's put it on Twitter that Kevin Garnett called him a cancer patient. Which Kevin Garnett, by the way, denied and offered one of the greatest I consider to be all-time great lies in the history of the NBA where he said, no, I did not call him a cancer patient. I said that he was a cancer to his team and our league. Well, great spin. He simply simply said that great, amazing, amazing, amazing. And they said that and that man couldn't make the score on the ACT. That's how you know that shit is culturally biased because only a genius could cook that up right there, right? That's the only way he could do that. But I would have been Team Charlie at first. Then you go, he acted like that was the first time anybody ever said that to him. And you had to come tell the world about that to get you some level of sympathy. Out of here. Out of here. Lost me forever. Lost me forever. I was here for crazy Kevin Garnett saying something completely below the belt. Okay, cool. You and I talked about this with disc records. We got a higher tolerance. But even with this, we acknowledge he was not cool. Out of there. Charlie Villanueva came snitching, trying to tell everybody so he could get some sympathy. Sucker behavior. No love for you. That's where Drew Eubanks is the, right um, now. Uh, Jordan Poole situation. I was just thinking about that. Is I feel like also you got to be good. Because like Jordan Poole, I feel like immediately after what happened, people were on Draymond and they had a problem with Draymond. Jordan Poole ain't, ain't pressed charges. He took he took that that beat down, and somehow we are end up in a world where Draymond Green, who also got suspended this year for acting funny, is still thought of more highly than Jordan Poole because Jordan is not very good, and also like he kind of seems arrogant and not good, which people really don't like. If you're gonna be cocky, you better bring it. I also have to admit that I understand that this is somewhat counterintuitive, but I kind of feel like. If you call the cops, it increases the likelihood that you deserve that ass whooping you received. Like, I feel like in my history and time, knowing the people who call the cops, they was wrong. My man George tells a story about a dude he knows who, black dude, is in Dallas. You know, it's them. So the dude got a little out of pocket with some white dude trying to show off, right? And kept talking crazy and kept talking crazy until he referred to this white man by um, some form of racial slur. A slur that I would say in person, but I don't need to deal with right, all the right, stuff right. that could come with it. Like, it wasn't like a super insulting slur, but a slur nonetheless, right? And so what the black dude did not realize about the white man he had just slurred is that he was some kind of grand master of taekwondo, or some one of the kung fu arts. And my man said he hit him with the smoothest round house. Like, boop, 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 right? Like, hit him three times going through or whatever. So he took the dude out. Dude missed school for a couple weeks. Came back. People asked him questions about it. And he's like, yeah, you know, me and mom's thinking about pressing charges. And that's how you know he was wrong. 
And that's what I'm saying. Once you start deciding you're going to take this to the cops, it made me start wondering, man, like why your word ain't enough. Yeah, calling the cops is unacceptable behavior in, in most circumstances. And I think you're probably right. I was thinking about how bad something had to be for me to actually do that. But that's not the way to think about it as much as it's like, what type of person do I have to be to do that? As, <laughs> it's, it's tough raising kids for a number of different reasons, but like expressing to them literal and figurative ways of being in the world is hard because it's like, yeah, if somebody messing with you, you need to make sure that uh, that that stops. And there are a couple things that you can do to make sure it stops. But on that line, before I tell my kids to hook off on anybody, you got to tell the teacher. Like, it's a thing that I, I, I'm not proud of, but I like if they have not hit you, if it's something, whatever, like you address it in a kind way you address it in a direct way and like they teach them all these um these uh ways to solve their problems amongst the kids like if that ain't working yeah at some point you got to escalate it to somebody else who could take care of it or you escalate it to me and i take care of it but you can't never be the first punch thrower but i guess this is different because i was thinking about what i'm teaching my kids and am i teaching my kids to call the cops i'm not telling them to call the cops it's like if somebody hits you and <laughs> that we got to scrap, but right. Right. But we're not yeah. calling the cops. <laughs> like I was listening to you go through all of that. And my whole thought was, all right, but we talk about the cops. Gotcha. Gotcha. But we talk about calling the cops. Look, at, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. To be fair. Yeah. I'm still not calling the cops or you need some paperwork. Uh, you need some paperwork, right? They don't okay, broke yeah, into yeah. your car. That's you different. gotta you gotta send the paperwork to insurance. If you need some paperwork, that's when you go holler at the cops. Yeah, that's completely different. And I guess if you are looking to press charges or you're looking to get some money, so you know what? When when David Tepper threw that cup of liquor or whatever on that uh, fan, oh, I'm falling out and I'm calling the cops. Oh, we need this on record. We need this on record to hit me in my eye, my retina hurt. I fell down two flights of stairs. We need this on record. But that's only so I can take it yeah. to the lawyer, right? Or, look, there's enough money involved in that, you know what I'm saying, that maybe you compromise on a couple principles. We all do it from time to time. Hell, I do it probably <laughs> two, three times a week on this show, right? Like, you know, every time, yeah. sometimes sometimes yeah. it bees like I that. I think that also the David Tepper example is you can't never get your get back. Like, that's not fair. You can't throw shit at me and then have security all the time. Like, I, I feel like that was the thing that right. upset me about that more than anything. And I was like texting with Mina immediately after. And I think that I was like more upset by that than seemed reasonable. But to me, that's what bothered me. It's like when people say that, that you are infringing upon their freedom of speech. No, you are free to whatever you want to say. But there are consequences for your speech. David Tepper, you are free to throw cups on whoever you want to throw cups on. But there should be consequences. You can't throw a drink at somebody and then not expect to get hooked on. Like, it's just, that's like throwing your hat in there. It's fight time. I can't stand nobody, like, thinking they, oh, 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 earned ass whooping. You know what I'm saying? We understand completely that this, this is what happens. A implies B. Right? Like, we know A, arrow B. This is the flow chart says this is what's supposed to happen. No, no, no. I ain't here for that. I ain't here for that. Like, at that point, maybe we do you need to call, call somebody. somebody. If, right? if you got 
some situation where there's somebody waiting to fight you every day on your way to work and you can't avoid this and you guys have one fight it's over it should be said that's another rule like it should be settled you fight me we fight once it's over let's move on if they there every day to whoop my ass i might have to call them people you gotta pay for this man i need to get back to my life all right we 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 squared away we straightened this out somebody gotta get this done yo Yo, yeah, you don't I know. know nobody. Yeah, I know. know we nobody. had this story before. I obviously nobodies, <laughs> and no, and those nobodies yes, might yes, end up yes, might yes, put you in more yes. trouble than you uh, would like to be in. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. But like the time my homeboy had to get caveman to come save the day for him, right? Like every now and then, he he went he went looking for he went looking for answers amongst the same set of grown ups, right? That you talked about, and the question that he got back was, "Are you talking to caveman?" <laughs> And the answer was, I actually I had not talked to Caveman about this. And he went to talk to Caveman, and suddenly problems had been solved. Yeah, I mean, that's all fine and good. But what if the problem solver solves a problem in a way that creates bigger problems? And that's the situation I was in at that high school party I mean, that we talked about. I mean, yes, yes. You, I mean, you just had to tweet your technique. I can't be out here trusting other people with my future. No, no, you can't. Speaking of trusting people with your future, um, the Lakers trusted their future with LeBron. LeBron trusts his future with the Lakers. Nobody seems to really be enjoying the direction that that has gone in. And before we get out of here, apparently the, the Warriors called the Lakers about perhaps trading for LeBron. The Lakers ran it by LeBron. LeBron said no. And I just want to know who decided to make sure that we knew that this was happening. Who's snitching? I have no idea, but I was watching. What game was I watching last night? Anyway, I was watching somebody play. Oh, it might have been the Cavs. Yeah, the Cavs and the Bulls last night. And I think Richard Jefferson, or no, no. Anyway, Jorge Sedano was like recapping the whole thing. And listening to him recap it, it was important to him to say that Rob Palenka had a good joke, essentially. Because he said that Daryl Morey called Rob Palenka and said, is LeBron available? And this, he was involved in this also. And Rob Palenka said back, is Embiid available? Like, I feel like <laughs> you only tell that if you're the one telling that. So I have no real evidence, but like, ain't nobody else making sure that you get your good zinger in there except for you. I don't think that Daryl Morey wanted the zinger in there. If it's just a two-person phone conversation, only two people could be in there. Well, I feel like in that one, the story is out and then... George goes and asks Palenka about it. And Palenka's like, yeah, well, I said to him, bop, bop, bop. And then we go from there, right? Like, I can't feel like who's really, I can't tell who's really served by this, by putting this out there. Like, is it is LeBron served by it, by letting everybody know I could have got out of here, but I decided not to, and I decided to stay. I feel like it doesn't serve the Warriors because basically anybody not named Steph Curry was available in this hypothetical trade, right? I mean, it feels like Klay Thompson is the obvious one to go back to, well, not back to, but to the team that his dad played for. Um, but Klay Thompson is not something to build around. It's Klay Thompson and some picks, I guess, in Kaminga or, or something else. But anyway, is it possible that it goes above all of that and that it was immediately after the Super Bowl and the NBA trying to remind everybody that they're here? Now it's time to pay attention that they're like, all right. We need something that ain't going to actually hurt nobody. It ain't too salacious, but it is going to lead all the shows and get people talking about basketball again. Because that's all it did. Because nobody, nobody's hurt by this. Nobody has gained anything by this. It just was like a, a weird, fun story to make people look up that involved all the biggest names and important players. Like, I think you are correct on that. That's That maybe is the way to go on it. <sighs> wow, what a tie, man. Because both of them things stink. Yeah. That's the thing that gets me is I'm not certain... That if you put 
If you put Steph on these Lakers, I think you might have a chance to make something happen. You put yeah. LeBron on those Warriors, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I mean, they'd I, obviously be better, right? But I'm not sure. Does that make them a championship contender? Pretty regularly, I'll listen to the Joe Budden podcast, and then they touch on sports. When I listen to them talk about music or other things, like I feel informed, they touch on sports. As, as somebody who's in sports, I'm like, all right, this obviously ain't for me. So I recognize that when I start talking about basketball. So take with a grain of salt what I'm going to say. LeBron, as versatile a player he is, I don't think he fits everywhere. And I to get the best version of LeBron, I think Steph probably, because of his shooting ability, you may not get the best version of Steph anywhere, but he fits everywhere. And I'm not arguing that the Warriors get worse with LeBron, but I'm not sure that they get better with LeBron, like, have we seen a version of LeBron in an offense like that? No, that offense has been really effective. Maybe they changed it up. I guess most realistically, the position that LeBron can play in that offense is the Draymond position. Can LeBron be a better version of Draymond? And if so, how much better does that actually make them? You know, because it it's, it's subtracting Draymond. It's not completely additive because you can't have if you're going to put LeBron in a Draymond position, like they got room for one dude who can't shoot. Great. And a dude who's big and can defend everybody on the other end and also passes really well. I, I imagine that Steve Kerr is smart enough to think of something else that'll work out, but I have not seen LeBron in that situation. The best version of LeBron is he is the fulcrum. He's the facilitator. Surround him with shooters who are willing to play defense and knock down shots. That's LeBron. Ah relegating Steph Curry to being that seems like a downgrade offensively and putting Draymond on the bench for LeBron also feels like maybe you get slightly better, but not that much better. You're not using LeBron's ability. So yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but it don't seem like a great fit. Also, at some point, it's going to look like you seen Dave Chappelle block party. Yeah. When uh, Erica Badu and Jill Scott are singing, you got me together <laughs> and, and, yeah. That, that ain't harmony, baby. Uh, That's a contest. Exactly. All right. All right. Like, it's going to be that. It feel like it's going to be that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I imagine LeBron now with the ball in his hands in clutch situations seems. But, yeah, it's not even a clutch situations as much as it's back and forth. Who, who who's in charge? Yeah, who's in charge? Who's going to take control? And, I mean, Chris Paul is someone who's traditionally been coming. I guess he's the example because as a true point guard, it seems similar to what – LeBron likes to do. He's yeah, the example. But, he, of it, but yeah. he has had to humble himself in a yeah. way that LeBron has not. Right? Like Chris Paul's had to come to terms with the calendar in a way that LeBron is not. It takes several stops for that to happen. And Chris Paul has been on all them stops. And now he's like, oh, okay. Let me go ahead and steal me uh, some, some minutes here and there and hopefully be in a championship. I'll throw this out here by the time people see it. So I'm going to Iceland, right? But I, and yes, I know it's not pronounced Iceland, I but like I'm from Texas. Right, Iceland. See, that's that. See, that's the spirit I need right there. I like it. That's why I say it like that. Cause I like it. I'm going to Iceland, and I was staying at a fancy hotel in Iceland, but they kept shutting it down because of the volcano. Oh. But I needed to book a backup hotel just in case. But now I'm in like the window of 24 hours on the other hotel, and so I want them hopefully to cancel that reservation at the other one because it's just over the 24 hours. Like it's just like it's like like one hour over. But I just found out that my first hotel is actually going to be open. If you want to talk about how Caucasian adjacent my life has become, I'm going to Iceland and I want the volcano to like do some tricks. Yeah. <laughs> but not like 
burn the whole thing down. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, you don't go there. I want the tricks. That's I'm, that's why I'm near the volcano for the volcano to do some things. But this is while your your life is uh, white adjacent. I I think that those are not the people you tend to surround yourself with, particularly romantically. I think that's what this is a job <laughs> for a black woman. And this, this <laughs> what? And something that I learned because, like, I want to do everything digital. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to have to do. If I read your policy, I believe your policy. I trust your policy. I'm going to abide by your policy. Let me tell you something, yes. Mr. Jones. Black women in my life do not respect your policies and they call. And that is <laughs> that is such you. I mean, I'm sure you experienced this where you get you at a restaurant, you on a date and you cut into your steak and you're like, man, it's a little cold, but whatever. I'm going to eat it. Yes. She ain't letting that happen. She calling him over. <laughs> My man's steak is not the way. You know, like I would I never send anything back. I'm fine with it. Like I just I go along with the flow. Yeah. But I know one thing that when I was a kid, my mom wasn't standing fast. She said, you better not sit us near the bathroom. If we moving. <laughs> you better not sit us near the door. We moving. And the same thing is true. Well, my wife is less picky about the seats, but it's like if there's something to be done and it's a possibility, I accept that the policy said, oh, the policy said no return, so I guess I can't return this. And I take my meek ass home with my shirt that don't fit. <laughs> See, and, and, I'm the same. Yeah. I'm the same. And I find somebody to give it to. But my wife is like, 30 days. Oh, just because you ain't got to it yet. Oh, no, I, I mean, go in there and spend an extra 10 minutes. And you know what? We come back with our few bucks back. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. And in circumstances like this, I am going to the next best thing. And I believe that everybody at Wave Sports and Entertainment who is listening to this knows exactly what the next uh, best thing is that I'm referring to. Lance. <laughs> Lance, Lance, go, Lance, go get on the phone with them, with oh, them people in Iceland, oh, yeah. and they go wish Ashley was on the phone with them. I bet. Oh, they yeah, go bet. wish. Oh, that is an energy that I don't have, and I, I, it is definitely worth payment. I will. No, you, you know, you know why? Honestly, I started having Lance do a lot of these things for me. I was having a situation with. Um, I was having a situation with the building that I live in, right? And it wasn't like we was having we we were having a back and forth. I can't remember exactly what it was about, but I remember I had Lance hit him up. Yeah. And Lance said he was hitting him up on behalf of me. Oh, it's over. And we made some and we made some reference. They suddenly oh, yeah. I was a little more important than they thought I was. And they whole tone changed. Changed, I tell you. That's what changed. That's what um that's what they were that's what the reporter said Trump used to do, right? It's like if you had somebody, he would call on behalf of himself and pretend like he's somebody else. Yes. It just makes you seem yes. more important. Like so I'm calling on behalf yeah. of oh shit, he got people. He got behalf of people. He must got a lot of yeah. people. We don't need to deal with that. Yes. That's all it came down to. That's all it is. Have somebody you know make the call. It don't matter who it is. It could be your girl. It could be your brother. It don't matter. A third party handling your business <laughs> gives an air of importance. That is tremendous advice. That is tremendous advice. Yes. You can do it yourself. Call and say, I'm calling on behalf of. And then say yes. your name. And then all of a sudden, yes. things get a little yes. bit better. I don't have my accountant call people before on my behalf. That. <laughs> oh, let's get this shit straight 
right now. No, nah, I just had I just had Lance send them notes because look, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's gonna cost me a lot of extra money if I gotta like hold on to both of these uh both of these reservations. And I feel like, damn, the second the the second reservation ain't for a chain. I'd be like, y'all give me a credit because I thought I was gonna have to cancel this whole trip. Except the problem is it's on Iceland Airlines. Like I am all good with booking a trip and canceling it on my regular airline because I know I'm gonna take another plane. Ain't nowhere to go on Iceland Airlines for Iceland. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if when Lance calls, they're going to, or even if you called, but you don't have to, they're going to comply. It's like, look, I'm going to have to cancel this trip because I can't afford to be in the balance. They're going to be like, all right, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll refund you yes. if you don't show up. Like, it's going to take Lance yes. 10 minutes to get this taken care of. And I made the reservation like 12 hours ago or something like that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Good. Like, like I'm, yeah, I made the reservation 14 hours ago. Yeah. Oh, you know, the, the, I don't know to be telling y'all where I'm going because I'd be scared of y'all, but y'all ain't going to no damn Iceland. The, the, the real step up is if the person that calls is a lawyer. I'm, I'm a lawyer on behalf of, oh, that's, that's where yes. my wife really comes in handy. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, that's right. Oh, it's so funny because she's like very smart also. It's so funny. We got, I got stories that are, all, that are uh, not for air but people assume like she's pretty and she's like bubbly and like comes across as like low-key oh that when people underestimate her oh it is great when she dig into the the legal terminology and freak people out it is one of my favorite things on earth i never underestimated her. i never had the chance and before i ever got the bright idea to ever underestimate your wife before that thought ever got formed she flipped a bird at me over Lauren Hill. I'm glad that we've had positive experiences since then. And now this just be like, ha ha, the first time we met, as opposed to what it was before. All I know about Dominique's wife is that she gave me the bird at Dad's wedding. The fact of the matter is that was uh, like, I think uh, it's funny to pull back on, but she didn't mean it. She, like, she, she didn't mean it. She don't care. She just thought it was funny. I know. She just thought it was funny. I just didn't see it coming. Yeah. I didn't see it coming. But I know, I, but see, like, it's very, you know what it was for me, though? It is very important to me that my friends' wives like me. Oh, yeah. And honestly, it's because at some point, I'm going to be wanting to kick it. And I need, as yeah. the single friend, yeah. I need her to understand, like, nah, we all on the same team here, right? And so I feel like, I definitely want to over when I sent you a gift for when you got your podcast, right? Because I hit her up to get advice oh, on it. You know, oh, I'm the thoughtful move. friend that she may not even know that you have, right? Like she may not, like, I don't know if anybody else would do such yeah. a thing. And the last time I saw her, I was like, oh, we're so far past this middle finger oh, thing. Yeah. It's amazing. I met her sister, another lovely woman. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's here today. Um, Yeah. I'm telling you, is you took more from it Tell than she sister, did. I'm sorry about that thing I said in Vegas. <laughs> My bad. did me too. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it like that. <laughs> oh, God. That's how you know we're friends, man. There's all these stories. I forgot about that. We are connected yes. uh, on le several levels on several different occasions. And somehow you've, you've done you've done a set things <laughs> that you feel the need. <laughs> I, I've, I've accidentally offended them both, but come back around. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Ashley was not offended. I promise you. She don't care. She just no, ain't had nothing to say. It's all good. Lauren, on the other hand, I don't know. She might have been pissed. Who knows? I ain't talked to her about it. I'm going to go holler nah, at I think, her I, I think I brought her back around. Right, good, good, I good, think good. I brought her back around. Tell I said what's happening. She seemed cool as hell. Cool you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, that's what you going to say. They all seem cool as hell. And I normally don't like bougie girls. They seem cool as hell. <laughs> oh, man. Now we've, we've made another thing for them to apologize for. No, no, I ain't going to lie. I once saw something once and then somebody was wearing a t-shirt that said, I love bougie black girls. And I was like, I don't. 
just like where we started with the advice. It is based on your experience. It all goes full circle. But that is Dominique Fosworth. Check him out on the Dominique Fosworth Show, available wherever you get fine podcasts. And Dominique, you are, in fact, enough. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. But, Bomani, don't get comfortable, man. You may not be enough. You might just need to get in there, get in the lab, and grind some more. As a, a note to everyone who thinks that they are enough. You are enough, but also get better. Right, yeah, you are, you are enough, but may I suggest a couple of songs for you? Eye of the Tiger, perhaps. <laughs> um, the the one they sample for victory. And of course, run them steps. Another day, another day, another discussion. How Rocky is the most perfect movie and movie character ever made because everybody, even black people, on board with Rocky and Rocky got us all on board because the first song in that movie when they're running through the credits and everything else, Rocky get a record and he put it on the record player and it's cool in the gang, summer match, right? Strategic. Well done. That's what I'm saying. Hall of Notes would have fit because Philly, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, Rocky. But at the same time. And he lost in that first movie, which I feel, feel like the, the while the motto of Barbie is you are enough, the motto of Rocky one is no, you ain't. <laughs> you need to get better. As much as you worked, it ain't enough. Rocky Five got my favorite Rocky line ever. No, it's okay, boys. This ain't no pie-eating contest. Where uh, Tommy Morrison, who, boy, talk about a documentary I would watch. Tommy Morrison challenged Rocky to come fight in the street. And these two pudgy dudes asked Rocky if he needed some help. And Rocky's like, no, boys. This ain't no pie-eating contest. <laughs> kind of jokes that we used to be able to make back in the day. We can't even really fuck with fat people about stuff like that no more. Uh, touch me and I'll sue. That's also from that movie. And that connects to our uh, Eubank story. Oh, yeah. Touch me and I'll yeah. sue, Balboa. Yeah. Touch me and I'll sue. There, there's a few zingers in Rocky yeah, Five. Rocky Five, not even in, I mean, I guess four was the best one. I don't care what nobody say. That's the driver. Uh, I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna say that. And you, I knew you were gonna show some filmmaker judgment. Or, uh, or uh, no, it's not. Fil- it's not filmmaker judgment. I'm Mac Jones' son. Therefore, four comes with levels of propaganda uh, just going a little that's bit fair. too far. That's the only four is so jingo. Yeah. It is ridiculous. That's, and that's and while it was implausible that not only Rocky won all these fights, but did not die yeah. in any of these and, fights. Uh, yeah. Drago. That's fair. I, I was I wasn't old enough to understand all the uh, socio political impacts or implications of the story. That shit just was fun. That was the most fun. Yes, it was. I mean, look, man, America needed that one at that time. We needed a win. Needed a win. We needed a, we needed a win big. Needed a big win. Needed a big win. Look, I got a whole other discussion for another day with people like what happened to the Olympics. I tell you what happened. The Cold War ended. Right. Ain't got no real ain't got no real villain to go up against. Yeah. Let me tell you what the Olympics need. What we had the Olympics going off the charts. If one of these African countries with a bunch of people in it finally got their athletic shit yeah. together, Nigeria, Ethiopia, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, one of these places that could put it together like a real array, a real arsenal, then then this thing would be coming right back. You imagine you go out there and Nigeria don't want all the awards. <laughs> that would be fun. Don't want all the awards. And then, because it's Nigeria, they go around for the Winter Olympics because a lot of these white folks be running this backdoor trick where they go find somewhere in Africa to compete for in the winters, yep. right? Nigeria go out there and go get all the all the cheating white people from all the European countries to come down there and say they skiers and say whatever. This this can happen. <laughs> and then America go have to do America go have to do that to save the world. The Olympics will, uh, rates will go through the roof, sky high. 
stay with they they would go through the roof next thing you know it's gonna be like they used to tell me it would be like in canada during the world cup where suddenly all these brazilians pop up that you had no idea were from brazil you we we are all nigerians baby we are all nigerians we gonna start looking at the cats that play on the dream oh, team yeah. like sellouts <laughs> like why don't you go get some 23 and me and see if you could play for the real that team. That almost happened. Giannis going to go back to the I crib. Think Nigeria just had fly jerseys one season, and it felt like half of black America became Nigerian soccer fans. Like, they just one season, they had fly jersey. Everybody's like, oh, I'm pulling for Nigeria. Yeah. Oh, I think that was oh, Cameroon. Cameroon had the jerseys. Go- I think they did. But, like, Nigeria, they speak English, too. Or maybe maybe it's Ghana. They keep trying to get us to move back over there. You know what I'm saying? Like, Maybe that's maybe that's I'm just telling you, that's how that's that's how they go get the Olympics going. If it ain't going to be no cold war, like, just make it a race just, war. It'll work. Liberia, <laughs> Liberia sweep the Olympics. <laughs> that, that's the, re- <laughs> the Liberia. They call it the re- the return of the back. It's just all it's just it's just a full on revenge tour. That's all it is. That's all uh, it is. Right. Y'all ain't y'all ain't want us no more. It's cool. That's right. That's right. Dominique Foster, if you already done all that stuff, wow. What a circuitous turn. Sean, do you have prize picks for the people? I sure do. Let's go. Rudy Gobert, 10.5 rebounds. I'll take more. DeAndre Ayton, 7.5 rebounds. I'll take more. And Andrew Wiggins, 1.5 three-pointers made. Let's go more there as well. All right. That all sounds good. The short circuit of my earpiece went in. All I know is that Sean said more. That's the only thing I know. I ain't even here. I just know Sean said more. (laughs) Sean, you went over on everything again, didn't you? I sure did, Bo. <laughs> Sean out here misrepresenting what prize picks is. Prize picks is like everybody that uses the Kobo body thinks you can only go over. No one, no one has tried under yet. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. But ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week, except next week we're only doing it two times because it's President's Day. Uh, Sean, you handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Uh, Remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. (laughs) 